Welcome to the Cisco ANZ podcast, exploring the promise of 5G, which is a series brought to you by Cisco Systems, exploring the 5G ecosystem, business models, and service provider technology underpinning it. I am Daniel Hutchins, Principal Architect with Cisco Australia, and I'll be hosting this series. In this three podcast series, I'll be bringing together the best minds from Cisco locally and globally to talk about what we are seeing in 5G. Our first episode will focus on monetization for the SP, and that's the episode today. Second episode, we'll talk about optimization, where we'll look at the technology stack involved in 5G deployment and where we think Cisco's technology can help our SPs. The final episode, we'll talk about partnerships, where we'll look in more detail at some industry verticals and explore what they need from 5G. Today, I'm joined by two guests. Firstly, Karen Negus, who runs Cisco Australia New Zealand's service provider business. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Hi, Dan. Good morning. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks, Karen. And can you just let the audience know what it is that you do? Yeah, fantastic. I actually joined Cisco just back in February of this year, 2020. I actually look after the service provider business for ANZ. So we're looking after all of the service providers in Australia and New Zealand, which of course brings us to 5G, which is such an exciting time in our careers and, and in the evolution of the industry. All right. Thanks, Karen. Um, lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank Eventually, you. maybe you'll catch up to my length of service if you're, if you're really lucky. <laughs> Perhaps. And secondly, we have Andrew McKay joining us from across the ditch in New Zealand. Andrew runs our mobility business across the Asia-Pacific region. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Hey, sure, Dan, and uh, really good to be here today. Uh, my background, well, my background goes back almost as long as mobile does. I've been over 20 years uh, working in this technology, sort of starting from the transition from 1G to 2G. Um, so it's great to still be around for 5G, but I do plan to retire before 6G. So my role within Cisco is I lead the uh, system engineering team for mobile solutions for Asia Pacific. And uh, great, Andrew, and I hope you get your wish to retire, but it depends how fast 6G comes, of course. <laughs> depends on the monetization, Dan. That's right, Andrew. Without the money. <laughs> so much has been said about the role of 5G in the last few years, how it will be built, what is different about it, and how it enables new services. In this episode, we want to talk about monetization. So let's jump right into it. So, Andrew, just uh, starting with you, what is new with 5G? Yeah, look, there's a lot of hype around 5G, and uh, and I find when I talk to customers, they you know they're kind of confused. the The way to look at it is the next decade of mobility and wireless. It's really that simple. Um, and if we look back at the last decade, we know what 4G's you know done for our society and our business. So now's the time to look at that that next generation. So three main capabilities we can expect. Um, of course, higher bandwidth, that's probably the obvious thing, you know, sort of a 10 times improvement in speeds. Uh, lower latency is going to be really important. And, and again, we'll talk a bit about how that can be monetized. Um, and then device density. So the aim of 5G is a thousand times increase in the number of connected devices. Um, so that's massive and that's going to have a massive impact. How this is going to get delivered, the new concepts um, around resiliency, security, um, and this term network slicing. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. But the bottom line is, that, look, it's the evolution of the 4G era of, of 4G LTE and Wi-Fi towards 5G and Wi-Fi 6. And it's a pretty exciting time to be in this industry. Yeah, great. And um, Karen, any thoughts what that might mean to the local um, market in Australia New Zealand? 
Yeah, Dan, look, I, I actually am really excited by 5G and I know it is going to take a long time for the technology to really come to be part of our everyday ecosystem. And, and I know there's always a lot of headlines around 5G, um, but I do recall one and it said 5G is not just another G. And, and I tend to, to agree with that because I think where the other networks have actually delivered a, a voice or a data network, I think 5G and, and probably mainly due to the lower latency actually opens up a whole new opportunity for industry. So when we look at actually how industry can actually fundamentally change the way they go about their business, 5G can actually facilitate some really new ways of thinking. And I don't think we even understand what all the use cases for 5G can be. And it's going to take time to evolve and actually get comfortable with the technology and actually have people creating use cases to suit the technology. But I think there's so much scope and it really will be the technology that helps us to bridge into the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, have you got any thoughts on how that could be different to what we had in 4G? I mean, you mentioned latency. Yeah, I think, you know, if we actually think about, okay, what was the killer app for 4G? I mean, really, it was a smartphone and it was a smartphone that enabled us to actually carry a mini computer around in our pocket. And, you know, even a long way from your Nokia communicator, um, you know, we really can do practically everything we can do on a laptop. We can practically do on a mobile phone these days, which is pretty amazing to think that, you know, something the size of our palm is actually so, so powerful. But 5G actually takes it beyond that handset and it actually takes it into industry. So, you know, we're talking IoT applications, we're talking AI, AR, VR, um, augmented reality and how do we actually train people on the spot? How do we actually enable emergency services to have real-time information feeding straight through to them? How do we actually have automated factories, vehicles, all of this technology that, that we talk about at a high level and our imaginations run pretty wild, but, you know, we're still to actually nail what it will actually mean but there is just so much potential. So it's almost about sort of harnessing the excitement and the potential and then how do we actually work that into commercial business models that enable, uh, you know, industry verticals to actually do things better, faster, cheaper um, and indeed for service providers to actually be a really key part of that next evolution of business. Um, so just, just kind of... Yeah, just kind of moving on. So what do we see globally first, Andrew, in terms of the launches and positioning of uh, service providers with their 5G launches in their markets? Yeah, and, and it comes down to where the regulator and the government has issued spectrum uh, for 5G and those, you know, those early markets we've seen in Asia, um, Korea particularly, China, um, Japan now, and in the U.S., the launches so far, though, are really um, a branding exercise for the service providers. Um, I call it sort of a bolt-on to 4G. So you have a smartphone today, you know, the icon now shows 5G, and you get more bandwidth, but, that, but that's about it. Behind the scenes, the service providers are really in a learning phase. Uh, they're learning about what 5G can enable, how they need to adapt their network uh, around that. And we really encourage in, in ANZ that we, we really need to work closer with the government agencies, uh, with enterprise and SPs together to really learn about what 5G is going to bring. And Karen, you've just sort of come across from the service rider side. So any, any thoughts from you on what's happened locally so far? There's lots of advantages that we're already seeing in market from 5G, but we're probably just adapting a 4G solution 
to use 5G bandwidth when we really are yet to see the true benefits of 5G when we actually start to get into the technology that will be enabled in enterprise. Yeah, right. Okay, Andrew. And you've got team members up in uh, even in Korea, Andrew, and they're sort of pretty advanced um, in terms of where they're at. Do you want to just give some commentary on what's happening in Korea on 5G? Yeah, look, Korea is, you know, was, uh, you could argue, the first market in the world to launch. I think the US launched on the same day. But Korea, to me, is a real 5G launch in that they've now got over 70% uh, area coverage. Uh, they have gaming packages now for uh, mobile gamers who would enjoy the lower latency. Um, but it's not the approach to monetization that the service providers need. Um, if you look at the average revenue per user, uh, it's low single-digit uplift. Uh, and we're seeing the same in China. So uh, as Karen mentioned, you know, the, the future of 5G, not only due to its benefits, but for service providers in terms of paying for their uh, capex to invest in these networks is really around enterprise uh, and industrial, uh, the internet of things. Right, okay. So good to, good to see what's happening in Korea and use that as an example for what we may see in Australia. Andrew, on the subject of ARPUs, you mentioned they've been sort of static or declining. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on the ARPU subject? Yeah, I mean, ARPU in itself, you know, average uh, revenue per user, um, you know, is is a concept we need to move beyond. Um, You know, if you look at Australia and New Zealand, it would be about the same, probably about $50 a month uh, average revenue per user. A few percentage points improvement with 5G, that's not going to pay, you know, for this next decade of network investment. Um, when you talk to enterprises and particularly verticals, though, that that's not the way they look at connectivity. Um, recently, you know, a CIO said, "Look, you're you know fifty dollars per month from a smartphone. If if a piece of my plant goes down for a month, it's going to cost me fifty million. Um, and that's the scale, and it really reflects the changing business model we're going to see with five G." Um, and, and to Karen's point, you know, our role, Cisco's role is to help service providers understand those verticals because this is new markets for them. Uh, they do want to go there and get new revenue streams, but they don't necessarily understand their businesses and they certainly don't understand, you know, their IT infrastructure to the level that Cisco and some of our partners do today. And Andrew, just to continue on from that, I think the other thing from a service provider perspective is it's actually going to fundamentally change the role they play within their enterprise customers' networks. So, you know, 5G is really going to enable SPs to actually take those services to the edge. Um, It'll really take uh, network automation to the next level and provide the ability to actually manage critical infrastructure. Now, Cisco actually recently did a survey of more than 1,000 enterprise customers globally And the results were consistent right around the world in that um, over 85% of enterprises actually stated that they would like a fully managed or a co-managed 5G solution from a managed service provider. So this obviously opens up a whole new business case for SPs to actually not just be delivering the connectivity, but indeed to be delivering that managed service. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've definitely talked about enterprise. We have seen 5G, you know, really touted as a digitization enabler. Um, so just, yeah, do we have any thoughts on what will 5G bring that 4G couldn't today, Andrew? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about the, those technical enablers. Um, when I talk to enterprise and I talk to CIOs now, I like to, to paint a simple picture in terms of their connectivity today. If they could have, you know, fiber or wired-like connectivity, but with the convenience of wide area mobility, what would that do for their business? Um, now, when I say wired connectivity, again, that's not just speed and latency, but it's the guaranteed resiliency and security of that connection. And to me, that's what we need to be talking about is for those enterprises to advance their businesses, where are the opportunities? And that's where obviously service providers as their partners need to focus as well for their monetization. Mm, so how do you see them, Andrew? How do you see them gaining value in their business uh, from, from 5G? I mean, you've talked about the opportunity, but is there any specifics or challenges that could, they're facing that we could potentially address? Yeah, there, there are. And, you know, they've been down the road of digitization and they've been pushing the bounds of wireless, you know, uh, technologies. You know, how far can Wi-Fi, you know, how much can they use it for their processes? But there are three, you know, main business challenges they face. And, and I don't like to, you know, talk about use cases you know, this early in the discussion, because again, that's overhyped. It's really around their business drivers. And that's workforce productivity, you know, increased levels of, of collaboration and innovation. Um, how do they get together and they innovate? And that's whether that's in a mine or a factory. Or even just working from home like we all are now, Andrew. Exactly. Yeah. The, you know, the need for connectivity and high um, quality connectivity is never more evident. The second area is process efficiency, and this is where automation comes in. Um, you know, how do your processes still run? How can your warehouse still function? And then the third area is really, you know, safety and resiliency. More and more interest in things like video surveillance for industrial processes, um, thermal imaging, LIDAR, drones, um, all those use cases that are really, yeah, again, about keeping everyone safe. And Karen, just like, I guess, taking what Andrew just said in terms of the enterprise, have you got any thinking on what that might mean for the SPs in terms of how they service their customers? Yeah, I, th I think so. And there's already technology out there um, that's certainly going to lead the way. I mean, we've seen, you know, quite a few industry verticals actually take up private LTE solutions and, and that will actually sort of morph into new 5G capabilities. So if we look at mining in Australia, which is obviously really critical, um, and this has become a really successful case study for private LTE. Um, and then if we look at agriculture, um, and I mean, Cisco's actually been really involved with the 5G Rural First project in the UK. And this has all really been about getting to understand what farmers need and how they actually need technology to help them uh, be more efficient, you know, in the agricultural sphere. And I think these learnings will come into Australia, particularly through Cisco's 5G Innovation Lab in Australia. So, you know, we're certainly committed to actually working with the SPs. I don't think anyone's got all the answers right now. So it's actually all about working together to work out, A, what the technology is capable of, and B, what are the use cases that can actually make it real and, and make a real difference to industry. So it, it, it really is an exciting time, but it's certainly not about one player. It's actually about the telcos, uh, the tech vendors and industry all working together to actually create a real live case study and future for 5G. 
Thanks, Karen. Andrew, I just wondering if you've got any thinking on uh, what you've seen in the region around post or during COVID, um, what's changed in terms of thinking of 5G monetization? I think the government initiatives are really top of mind at the moment. You know, how do we connect with citizens um, when citizens don't have mobility anymore? Um, so 5G, high bandwidth, high quality wireless you know, will be key for that. Um, we are working on some trials in Asia for things like remote thermal imaging um, that can be put, you know, around um, high traffic, high people traffic areas uh, with 5G backhaul. Um, and then the other huge area is remote learning. They can access their learning almost seamlessly in a secure way. Um, regardless of where they where they are, I know, and it was hard for schools to really connect with them. And I think that you know, right at the moment, as Karen mentioned, with these innovation labs connecting with the government, connecting with these agencies, um, that's a, a it's you know, five G's just come at the right time, I think, for us to prepare for the post COVID world, the new normal. So on the subject of uh, COVID-19 and how we're trying to recover, at least here in Australia, you know, the country is sports mad. And I think the government's been promoting restarts of sports to help us all keep sane. It's too late for you, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So much has been made of the capabilities of 5G to support sports through VR and AR. And certainly I'm quite excited by the prospect of the 2023 Women's World Cup coming to Australia. Um, But we do know, Andrew, in New Zealand, there'll be, I guess, a large event coming up next year. And uh, any thoughts on how 5G will augment and support that event? Yeah, look, we're pretty excited about the America's Cup coming up next year. Um, And when you think about it, you know, sailing is the classic case of how do you connect the viewers and giving a a fan experience when uh, these boats are zipping around the Hauraki Gulf uh, a long way away. So certainly a lot of work with with Team New Zealand, um, Spark New Zealand, uh, our partner in New Zealand uh, on 5G, connecting these boats, you know, high definition video feeds, so you can really get that point of view um, perspective, uh, but also all the massive amounts of telemetry and data that's going to be coming off these boats. Uh, so you're right, you know, that that sport going forward, you know, how do you bring the fans right up close, whether it is the, the Women's World Cup, whether it's motorsports, um, sailing, golf, um, it's a huge opportunity and, and that's an interesting opportunity because it is for consumer and business, you know, to connect together there. Yeah, great. And we look forward to seeing what happens in, in New Zealand. Well, thanks, Karen and Andrew. I think we're out of time for this episode, so we need to wrap there. What we've talked about today is how we see the monetization for service providers evolving over the next several years and how we think Cisco can help service providers uh, in that 5G journey, uh, working with enterprises and with industry verticals, and really importantly, how we can bring that to life in the 5G innovation lab. So hopefully we can bring all this together and all come out with, with great outcomes. Um, if you are listening, I hope you enjoyed this discussion. You can find uh, all of us on LinkedIn if you wanted to contact us and discuss anything in more detail that we've talked about. Um, Karen? No, look, thanks, Dan. I'm I'm really excited by 5G. I think it's a game changer for service providers. It's not going to happen overnight, but it definitely is a really exciting piece of technology to sort of watch evolve over the next few years. Yeah, for sure. And Andrew? No, thanks, Dan, for the chat. As a technologist, I'm also really excited. There's some really cool stuff coming with 5G. 
and I really can't wait to see uh, how it all pans out. Mm, so as a technologist, you'll be excited to hear that the next podcast in this series will be more technology focused, looking at how service providers and Cisco could work together to make 5G more cost optimized uh, and therefore be able to address that revenue issue. Um, just if you are listening, Cisco does have a service rider blog site, which is blogs.cisco.com SP. And Andrew himself has his own blog on there, which I'm an avid reader of, uh, which we'll link to in the show notes as the uh, URL is a bit longer. So thanks for listening and hopefully uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. 